Welcome to the Bespoke Buzz. Join me, Rebecca Russell, owner of Bespoke Vintage, as I chronicle my adventures in the historical and vintage clothing world. Today, we have a special guest, my bestie and fellow small business owner, Miss Beth Kuhar Miller, owner of One Sweet Thread. Welcome, Beth. Hi, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's an honor to be your very first guest. Yay! Yay! So I'm going to do a quick introduction, and then we're going to get straight into the fun question and answer stuff. So Beth owns a vintage shop, as I mentioned before, One Sweet Thread, and you can find her on Instagram, Etsy, and on her website, onesweetthread.shop. She deals with vintage clothing from early 20th century through 1990s. Still blows my mind that the 1990s is considered vintage, but whatever. Um, And primarily focuses on 30s, 40s, and 50s. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. Those are my favorite eras. So I believe you have been into vintage for a while, Beth. I got to see your news debut on Good Day (laughs) Cleveland the other day, which was very cool. I feel like I have a famous friend now. You talked a little bit about how you got into vintage. So I'm going to let you give your background here again for my listeners, and I will let you take it away, Beth. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah, I got into wearing vintage at a very young age. I was um, 13, and I discovered a cedar chest full in my parents' closet full of their clothes that they wore from high school to like when they got married. It was like, think like my dad's bell-bottom leisure suits and, you know, some things my mom wore in high school. She had a shawl collar, one of my favorite things to date. And I wish I would have never gotten rid of it, but we didn't have a lot of money. So I took these things from that cedar chest and I padded my wardrobe with that because we just, I didn't have a lot of clothes. So here I'm like wearing my dad's bell bottoms with like a paisley belt with like turtlenecks from Hills. A lot of people probably don't know what Hills was, but it was a department store in Ashtabula where I grew up. I live here now. It's no longer exists. And my, um, you know, my parents would take us there, but we were only allowed to get two or three outfits for school. So, you know, I'm wearing a turtleneck with my dad's bell bottoms. My dad was a very thin because <laughs> I was tiny. And then, you know, I'm, I'm wearing my mom's like dagger collar shirts with acid wash jeans. It's a small miracle that I did not get bullied. Everybody thought I looked cool and I'm like, great. And, you know, throughout the years and some way or another, I would thrift at the Goodwill or Salvation Army. 
I I'd go to antique markets with my family. I would buy vintage purses. Who knew that that would lead me to where I am today? I started my business in 2015. I had this such a huge love for the past and the history of clothing and everything. And I just wanted to share my love of these things with other people. I had no idea what I was doing when I started my business. And on some days I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I know you can relate. It's like, oh my yeah, God, absolutely. what am I doing? Yeah. But it's my passion and I wouldn't trade what I am doing for anything else in the world. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, your story about going through your parents' old clothes kind of reminds me of similar for me. My mom had put a bunch of her formal wear. My dad was in the Air Force, so they had gone to formal Tons events. Of balls, yeah. Yeah. And it put a bunch of her things in what we called our dress up bin, some basket or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because now I think about it, a lot of that stuff is what I had cut up and sewed into other things and used, you know, for you, you were wearing some of that stuff and I was cutting it up, turning it into costumes. And I regret so much of that now. Cause I think, and there's a picture of her in one of them. That's like really awesome from the sixties. It had these wide bands of color, this really, you know, beautiful dress. And I'm like, I, I totally cut that. I was about oh. to say, I totally cut that oh. shit up and turned it into, <laughs> turned it the into something else through, entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember wearing, my dad had a grayish silver pinstripe three-piece suit, and I totally was wearing the vest in middle school. I was rocking that vest, for sure, with a pair of cut-off jeans, Dirty Dancing-style cut-off jeans. I was rocking the suit there, and I have no idea. I think I still have the suit, actually, up in my closet. So, thankfully, I didn't cut that thing up. But I had my dad's Vietnam-era military uniform and I cut the pants into shorts too. And I want to like punch myself in the face for that one. Um, <laughs> but you know, we had to be cool at the time. So right. that was what was important in middle school. We weren't thinking right. long-term at that point. So, right. We just awesome. what we thought was cool. So I want to talk about now how you and I met. So it was gap 2016 or 2017. Gap in 2016, and I was in the building where all the shopping was, and literally every person I think that was at Gap was crammed into that building because it was warm. The, this reenactment, it was in the winter, probably one of the only reenactments that we would go to in the winter. When oh, yeah. Background real quick on, on Gap. Battle yeah. of the Bulge. Battle of the Bulge. In January. Yeah, it was in January, and I remember I had on a pair of 1940s pants and a Scotty Dog sweater, and here you come walking in wearing a Scotty Dog sweater, the, a oh, yeah. sweater vest, and I said to my girlfriends, I go, look at her over there. She's wearing a Scotty Dog sweater. I'm wearing a Scotty Dog sweater. <laughs> I'm going to make her my friend. And here we are today. I did not let you out of my grips the entire weekend. <laughs> we had a great time together. You were alone. We did. You went to it yep. by yourself. Yeah, I went out by myself. I, I thought that was like the most courageous thing. I'm like, she has the cojones, <laughs> if you will, 
to... You guys can't see it, but Beth was making a hand gestures for cojones <laughs> right there. <laughs> she has the cojones to come to this event, which is like primarily all men by herself. And um, after that, I, I, the story just goes from there. We've been friends for many years and you are one of my best friends and we share so many of the same fashion and the love of clothes and, you know, our, now our businesses, we yep, both put yep. our jobs to venture out on our own. So many things. And I'm going to start crying right now. So Aww. let's just cut it off right here. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it has been awesome. It was obviously friendship meant to be. And it I was. don't remember if you were selling vintage when we met, but I know I wasn't doing my business at the time. I was working full time for JSOC at the time. And I really wasn't even making very much for myself anymore. I was just plugging away, being a single mom of three kids and working for all the crazy special forces guys. No intention of going back into sewing clothes full time at all. Were you selling it at that point in time? So I, I, at that point, I think I had my business for just over a year. Also, I was... I was working at Barnes and Noble part-time. I was still in my first marriage recently, been remarried. And I had only just started selling and I was only doing it very like just for fun. You know, it was like, let's throw this on the wall and see if it sticks kind of a situation. It wasn't like now where you basically are working, we work for ourselves and we're working sometimes 12, 14 hours a day, or we are not working at all that day because we work for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh crap, today I have to run my kid to the orthodontist and do nine other things. Yep. But that's the beauty of working for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know, I guess it's been, oh, just over a year ago. Yeah. So my situation changed a little bit and I'm of course watching you having gotten back into selling vintage full time and being all successful and I'm crazy jealous and I decide to leave corporate world and I'm like, wait a minute, let me channel my inner Beth. I can do this. <laughs> and the first part of that was kind of easy for me because sewing and the website part, that's that came naturally to me. And I had done all that years before. But the part that was super foreign territory for me was Instagram. Instagram terrified me. I talked to my teens about it. I got an account. I remember being literally crazy excited when I got 10 followers. Like literally, I think I took a snapshot and was like, look, I got 10 followers. And then I was like, Beth, how do I use Instagram? What do I do? (laughs) You had like a gazillion followers compared to me and I had no idea what I was doing. You were like a guru to a newbie and I wanted to get all your knowledge. So talk to me about Instagram, how important Instagram is to you and your business. I still feel kind of new to it, so I'm still learning, but talk to me from your perspective about Instagram. So social media is extremely important to any person starting and growing a business. Social media is your free platform. You are starting your business. You don't have a 
budget for marketing. You need to use your major social media platforms in order to get your business out there. So using not only Instagram, TikTok is humongous as well. I have a TikTok page. <laughs> I can't do TikTok. I can't do it. You need to get creative. You don't have to be like this TikTok guru in order to make a TikTok. TikTok is turning into the new Google. If you look something up on TikTok, you will find it. And that is the way the world is now going. It may seem ridiculous. Like, oh, I'm using TikTok to look up how to so a ham for in your instance, but that is the way. Yeah, my kids definitely use it that way. So I guess I understand that. I need an yeah. intern to do TikTok for me. That's what that, I. Need. That's the way the world is going. Using your platforms as free advertising. Also, Pinterest. Pinterest is another huge one. You can use all those things for absolutely free. You do not have to pay. That's <laughs> I mean, you can. But in my own personal experience, if you pay for paid advertising on, say, Instagram or Facebook, in my personal experience, it has not worked any better than putting a regular post out there to your followers. Now, maybe yeah, maybe I agree. I agree with that. I've I've tried it uh, every once in a while, and I don't. I mean, I haven't really gotten any. A spectacular right. return from it. There hasn't been any aha moment from that that's been like, oh, that right. was worth it. Now, maybe in the beginning, when you first start your pages, say like on Instagram, maybe just to gain some followers, it might mm-hmm. be worth it to you to budget, say like $30 and you yeah. spend X amount of dollars a day to spread it out. And then you target your audience of who you're targeting. So know your audience, what your brand is and what you're selling. And then, you know, you should gain some followers. But until then, that's what the, the this platform is for. Also put yourself in there too. I see so many other sellers, you don't see their faces. And it's like, I want to know the face behind, um, you know, who the brand is. Right. And if you don't, they say 20% personal and you don't have to make it that personal, you know, but show your face, say, hey, I'm Beth. This is my background. And show just a nice picture of yourself. People really appreciate that. And then it just makes, there's a human behind the right. brand. Well, that makes sense. I think that's, I know that was difficult for me because I'm not a in front of the camera kind of person. Um, yeah. I mean, you're just a very, like, out of the two of us together, <laughs> it's getting personal. You are the introvert and I'm the person who will talk to literally anyone. And sometimes that surprises people who know me, right? Of course, they're like, what? You can't be an introvert. Well, I really, I am. (laughs) And I think it was June or July that I decided to take that month and get out of my comfort zone. And I forced myself to do a lot of things on Instagram. I think that was the month I tried TikTok. I couldn't do it, but I know everybody keeps telling me. And I tried again. I felt like that was like online dating. I tried for a week and then I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I came (laughs) off and then I tried it again. (laughs) So I'll come back to it. to, To everyone that's listening, I think something that really pushed the both of us out of our comfort zone 
was when you came in August and we do uh, D-Day Ohio, Kanye Ohio reenactment. And at our age, we were 47. We did our very first pinup photo shoot. Oh, I That really pushed, I think, the both yeah, of us. Yeah, I still have mixed emotions about it. I it. It pushed both of us out of our comfort zone. But that's what's really important is to keep pushing yourself, especially in business, to do things that you've never done before. Because walking through that fire is where the growth in your business lies. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, in um, one of my recent MBA classes, they were talking about that in this new age of marketing, especially, again, like you said, in all the social media that it really is an era of throw everything out there because if it works, it's going to work great. And if it doesn't work, then it's going to be gone and no one's going to remember it. You know, you're not like Coca-Cola and you're going to do something embarrassing that's going to then drop your brand. If you put a video out and it doesn't get a lot of hits, then it's because nobody saw it. And so what? Either take it down or you leave it up there and it doesn't matter you learn from that, that, okay, I tried this, it didn't work. So now I'm not going to do that. I'm going to change it and do something different. And so you learn immediately from that instead of waiting and perfecting something, you just keep throwing things out there, throw it out, throw it out, throw it out. And you keep what works and you get rid of what doesn't. And it's a fast paced social media marketing atmosphere out there, I guess. Right. A hundred percent. You know, the algorithm for Instagram is constantly changing. It's so hard to keep up with. I say throw the algorithm out the window. You know, you need to find your niche and those people will see your posts. They will like your posts and that's how you grow your brand. Because if you're going, oh my God, thinking hashtags, what times to post? Well, look, we all have lives. And I know for myself, they're telling me that on Wednesday, the highest rating for me to post is at 5.30. Well, in real life at 5.30, I'm cooking dinner for my husband and I, and I just finished working a half an hour ago. That's not going to work for me. I know you can schedule posts and stuff like that. I've never really liked that. I I know yeah. there's apps for that. I've used them before and they failed where it's like, I scheduled to post this. Why didn't it post? What did I do wrong? You know, I, it just, to me, doesn't feel as organic as just like getting on there and doing the post and then moving on with my life. Yeah. I think so that's, that's a great, that's a great point. That whole work-life balance. And ultimately you have to do what feels natural to you, you can get in this feeling of that middle school feeling of, I can wear the clothes and act the way that I think everybody else wants me to act and Mm -hmm. feel, but how am I going to feel about myself? Even in business, the use of social media can put you in a place where you suddenly feel like that middle school kid. Oh, for sure. Again, all of a sudden you stop for a minute and you're like, I am spending so much time trying to hit those exact moments in time that, right, like you said, that algorithm is telling me when to do it. And I am forgetting to actually just enjoy my life and what I'm doing. And so it's, it's really refreshing to just say, you know what, do what feels right to me, because ultimately that realness and honesty is going to come out. And that's whatever works for you works for you. But for me, that's kind of the place um, where I am. And I think you feel the same way. So 
Yeah, hundred percent. I I agree with with what you said. You might not be getting the one thousand likes that you want, but people are seeing your posts, and you're still organically growing your audience. You have to just do your thing, let it go, and move on. And I think that's in let go of the control or worry of yeah. how many people are going to see your posts. Yeah how many people are liking your posts. You might have the most awesome thing that you have posted, whether Becky for you, it's, I look at me, I sewed this amazing pair of beach pajamas. They were beautiful. Or look at me, I just posted this sequin Peggy Hunt dress. It's beautiful. And it it gets like six likes and you're like, what the? (laughs) So you just have to let that go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we could probably talk for hours about Instagram and social media. Let's talk about customers. Do they kind of fit a particular mold or are they just sort of all over the place? Most of my customers are based out west. So for anybody listening, I live just outside of Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. I would say 90% of my customers are based out West. They're in California and um, Oregon, which is not surprising. There's a huge um, vintage scene out there, especially California. To anyone that that lives in California that's listening, hey. The other 10% are in Australia, which is also not surprising. And those are my people. I couldn't really give you ages and that's okay. You know, I I truly believe that vintage is for everyone. Fashion, I mean, what's the one thing we do every morning when we get up? We take a shower, we put on clothes. You're wearing something. If not, I don't want to (laughs) know. So those are my customers. I'm really grateful to be curating a strong little group of people who buy from me. Those are loyal customers. When I do a buy, which I just did a huge buy last weekend, when I was pulling for my buy, I had those people in mind. It's like, oh, um, Becky loves 1950s floral dresses. So I see one that's her size. I'm going to pull it for her. If she buys it from me, great. If not, it's out there in the vintage sphere for somebody else to find and cherish and enjoy. I really do try to keep those people in the back of my mind and know that there's other people out there that love those things too. There's all kinds of people out there that collect all kinds of things. And also I try to keep a variety of sizes. So I try to do inclusivity, something for in the future. I would love to have a small vintage inspired collection for plus size as well. So then And that's where I can come in. Yes, that's where you can come in. I was just gonna turn it back to you. (laughs) (laughs) And if not, there's you, Becky. They can have something custom made. That's our collaboration, Beth. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So actually that brings up another, one of the other topics for me, perfection. So one of the differences I think too, between selling true vintage and reproducing, when I'm custom making something, my customers expect perfection in the finished product because of course it's being made specifically for them. With vintage clothing, 
there's often a level of previous wear or small imperfections that may be expected or tolerated. Would you say that's fair? And how does that work in terms of what you sell? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I have a grading system. So, you know, excellent. There's no flaws. Excellent minus. I, we, I, we don't need to go over all that. Sure. But rarely will you find something that is over 30 years old that doesn't have any type of wear or maybe minor damage to it. If you are a collector, you will know and understand this. And also, oftentimes, unless it's like something that's glaringly obvious, you know, like there's a huge stain on the front of a dress or bleach mark on a shirt. or When the garment is being worn, you probably won't see it, you know, whether it's underarm stains, which is super common, maybe a couple of pinholes or a tear that's been repaired, you are not going to really see those things. In the community, you you kind of come to expect if you want something that's, say, 50s and earlier, you're most likely going to have that kind of wear. One of the things that I think too, is that is a difference sometimes you find in the customer base too. So there are those folks who are purists in the sense that they really only want vintage. And some of those wear or air quotes flaws are the things that they really like about the vintage clothing because it's showing that it was worn before, it had a previous life. And those are the things that vintage lovers, a lot of vintage lovers really like. And you see, you know, people who are advertising their vintage clothing, they might be wearing it and that kind of thing. And it's so funny because in my world where things are recreated, you would never put on clothes that you're making for someone else. Right. And that person is is thinking, okay, I'm going to be the only person who's ever wearing this custom-made piece. Or like my mom, who would be grossed out with true vintage clothing. I remember I used to go antique shopping with her, and she was always like, that's so gross. Somebody else has sweated in those clothes. It's disgusting, right? There's that mindset. And those people are generally the people who are looking for my services for having something recreated. So great that it's vintage fabric, vintage pattern, but I want to be the only person who's ever had this fabric touching my skin. So I think that's kind of an interesting dichotomy between those customer bases too. Right. If you are grossed out by the fact that someone sweat and wore this a hundred years ago or wore it for like five years straight and there wasn't a washing machine. So then I am not for you. A person who's selling true vintage is not for you, but you want to wear a quote unquote vintage dress, then you get the pattern and you have something made. Um, Yeah, I I, I understand that. But But somebody who really wants a true piece of history absolutely is coming to your store because that's the only way for knowing I am actually getting a real piece of garment history that literally existed in that time. It's almost like a as close to time travel as you're going to get because this existed during that time. You know, people can be grossed out that, oh my God, this is a dead person's piece of (laughs) 
also at the same time, you are getting a piece of history that you can admire and where also with some of the 90s that, you know, I can't believe either of us can believe is considered vintage. You are giving something that was once cast aside a second or even third life. Yeah. And you're saving that from going to the landfill. You know, I truly believe circular fashion is very important. Of course, there's nothing wrong with going to TJ Maxx and buying a shirt, but think about buying vintage or having something made in your in your case, Becky, instead of going out to a big box store and purchasing something, you are doing the environment a little a little bit of good. Yeah. Giving absolutely. it a little love. And speaking of love, that is a great segue into our next segment. We're gonna wrap up today's podcast by talking about what we're reading, okay. what we're watching on TV, and then any fun plans you have for places you're going. I will tell you what I'm doing, and then I'll let you go, and that way you close it up. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds okay. good. So I started reading Badass, I think when I came out to visit you. I'm still reading that. Reading at this age with kids is a slow process. So you're um, reading Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass? Yes. Yeah. I love that book. Yeah, I, I am loving it. it. I haven't gotten through it yet, but it's very good. Lots of good little nuggets in there. I love it. What I am listening to on my podcast is The Art of Charm, which is these two guys, an introvert and an extrovert, they got together. I know, right? Like us. <laughs> and they do an awesome podcast, How to Do better at so many different things in your life. And the last one, I wrote it down and I don't remember what it was, but it was really fantastic. And um, it was September 25th podcast. I'm going to leave it at that. I can't remember what the title was, but it was really, it was really awesome. And then I've been watching, rewatching all of Miss Marple's shows on Amazon Prime. I've been rewatching all of those while I've been sewing. And I just, I love Agatha Christie, obviously, but yeah, that's on my list of things too to watch. All right. You, we like the same. Yeah. I just finished reading Where the Crawdads Sing. I don't know why it took me so many years to even get to it. And I just watched the movie last month and it was excellent. I don't know why I was like waiting to read it for so long, but I absolutely, absolutely love both. We just finished watching again, All Creatures Great and Small. Yay! Oh, it's so good. They um, yeah, that's a must must watch. Must watch all creatures, great and small. I think they really encapsulated with the scenery and the costume. Huge props to the wardrobe department and hair and makeup on yeah. nailing it. I am a terrible critic when I go to watch a show and they try to like modernize hair makeup wardrobe mm-hmm. they try to make it a little modern but it's still sort of vintagey i'm like oh, yeah. no no that is not how people looked pbs all the shows every time yeah. they do every time drama, nail it so yeah. props to pbs and i am listening every week to uh to be magnetic podcast it's about you know manifestation which you know i'm really big yeah. into and Ann Ortley's Weekly Weather, which is an astrology podcast. I listen okay. to Taylor Swift's new Midnight album on repeat. Oh, so good. 
I don't know that one. All right, I'm going to have to check that out. Well, Beth, thank you very much for joining me on my second podcast. Yay! And I will have to have you back for sure. I will also um, include links to all of those things that we were just talking about on on the podcast. So if you want to check out any of the other podcasts or books or TV shows that we were just talking about, I will compile all of that stuff and and put it, I'm going to say below, because I'm assuming there's some below this podcast that people can find. There's some place below that you can get links and like and follow and do all of that kind of subscribe and all that kind of stuff. Of course. I will have that on there for you at the end. And that's going to wrap it up for us today. So, Beth, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, I know we will be chatting more later. If you would like to write to me about today's podcast or anything else, please do. I love to get listener mail at bespokevintage at gmail.com. That's B, like the little honeybee, spokevintage at gmail.com. You can also visit me on the web at www.bespokevintage.com, where you will find pictures of past makes, details on all my services, including commissioning custom makes, my vintage pattern lookbook with literally hundreds of vintage patterns, And of course, you can find me on all the socials at Bespoke Vintage. If you'd like to become a patron, please check it out at patreon.com slash bespoke vintage. See you next time on the Bespoke Buzz.